Ladies and gentlemen, before the podcast begins, we just wanted to let you know that this episode of Pick and Drive Rugby podcast is sponsored by Manscaped. You can go to manscaped.com and use the code GETINVOLVED, all one word, to receive 20% off and free shipping on your first order. Thanks very much. Hooper now offloads. Oh, so close, still short. Oh, Hey there, and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. We are two diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. We are real, family-friendly, and positive, so get involved. Get involved. Well, as you have probably heard, this week's episode of Pick and Drive Rugby is brought to you by our new friends at Manscaped. You'll hear more about them from us later in the pod. Mitch, how's your week been? It's been good. Yeah, very good. We've had a good chat with um, our special guest for tonight for the Melbourne Rebels. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to to everyone getting to hear this one. I really enjoyed This was probably one of our most enjoyable interviews. It just seemed to flow really well. So yeah, yeah, and hopefully that comes through. So I think I might reveal now who we're chatting Ooh. to. I mean, we're in the pod. So Ooh. we had the pleasure and the privilege of chatting to the prop Cameron Orr. He had just come off a bruising preseason uh, training day. Was literally uh, battered and bruised and cut, and <laughs> he was really down to have a really nice chat about all things Melbourne Rebels. So firstly, thank you so much from. Uh, to Cam from us for giving us your time. And before we actually jump into that, Mitch, why don't you track through our social platforms? Yeah, cool. So we are on Instagram at hashtag pick underscore drive underscore rugby. We are at Facebook at the pick and drive rugby podcast page. And we're also on Twitter at, at pick underscore drive rugby. So give us a like, a tweet or a follow. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. Now, with this series of reviews or previews, I keep saying reviews, but it's a preview of each of the Super Rugby teams, um, we are deliberately sticking away from getting into some of the spicy news that's been kind of cropping up in the last couple of weeks. We will do a kind of lead-in to the actual Super Rugby matches before February the 19th, so you'll get an extra pod that week, most likely, I think, if my mathematics of how many If it all fits in. If not, we'll just release one. Extra episode. That'll be fun. Um, And also... Uh, we have a tipping competition that is currently kind of people are signing up to when we've got it's going up. Mitch, it's going well. Yes, yeah, yeah. superbrew.com. Is that the correct URL? Yeah, that's right. So superbrew.com. Um, sign up, search for the Pick and Drive Rugby podcast, and you will find our, our tipping comp. Um, if not, if that's too hard, you can also, we've shared it on social media as well. So um, just scroll up a little bit from one of our previous social media pages and you'll find the link to that. Fantastic. Yeah, we're really, really keen to get that started. As we mentioned, the comp begins on Feb 19th. So make sure you sign up before then and get your tips in. There's going to be bragging rights galore happening over there. So I'm very, very keen to prove how much I think I know about rugby union and have the reality get shown to everybody else. That's right. Um, yeah, it's definitely right. I think it's a good thing last season, well, last year, that we didn't go back and check our tips and compare them and see how many we actually got right. Yeah, I know. Um, we didn't so if that. anybody out there wants to go back and do that, go for it. I think it might be demoralizing if I did that. But regardless, um, do you think it's about time that we jump into our preview of the Melbourne Rebels? I do. I can't wait for this one. Let's get into it. Let's go. 
And to preview the upcoming Super AU season for the Rebels, we have the legend himself, Cameron. Or how are you today? Good, thank you, fellas. Thank you for having me on. Absolute pleasure, mate. What's today been like? Obviously, pre-season. What have you been doing? Uh, big day today. A bit more of a, like a fast day. So today's all about getting the kind of the energy going. Every, everything going fast. Everything moving. A lot of um, a lot of attack stuff. So. It's really good. Like we, we kind of get in in the morning and we're straight on the straight on field to like prime up and then we go straight uh, into a field session, which is which is all about going fast. So that they're not really long sessions and you know some other ones where it's just arduous and same stuff. It, it's all upbeat and all trying to you know mimic what's going to happen in a game. So really successful day and then a little bit of um, testing in the afternoon, which was good. Keep us uh, keep us on our toes. Make sure we're still being competitive. I think it, it can be a little bit uh, friendly here and there when it gets to long, long stages of preseason. But um, yeah, no, it was quite good. So does the testing take the form of like the 60 metre dash? So you've got the best time for that. Um, what, what other types of tests do you guys do to measure yourself? Huge. Yeah. So no, there's, there's a few. Today we were lucky. It was just about um, kind of our acceleration and a lot of our um, speed testing, a little bit of um, jump testing too. So not ideal for a prop <laughs> jumping. Um, but no, so we all get involved and I think these days, I'm sure you could, you could testify to it too. Um, a lot of, you know, props and front rowers have to do a lot of what the back rowers and backs are doing and the sizes and shapes of props are just changing all over the world. So we're trying to keep up. And, uh, am I right in saying, I saw something on social media that you came first in uh, some, <laughs> I think the media guy likes me. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, I think he put a little white lie on there, but, uh, yeah, maybe my one maiden victory in, in a sprint session, but um, no, it was good. It was quite good. A little bit of speed stuff. You got to take it. You got to take it. Do you ever find exactly. that players like Taniela Tupo, you kind of get a bit resentful of them because they just, they're changing the mold of what a prop should be able to do. And I shouldn't going, say I'm jealous, you, but yeah. Can you stop it? <laughs> yeah, look, he's unbelievable. Specifically him, like natural athlete. Um yeah, you, can, you can't say the, the J word and be jealous, but, um, <laughs> you know, it, it is something to aspire to be like. He's very, very talented. And, you know, you know some guys, um, for, for their speed, they, they lack a bit of um, strength. That man's got it all. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. So we've heard of, um, there's been a few Rebels players that were caught up in New South Wales with the border closures. You particularly were stuck in Wagga Wagga for a couple of weeks. What happened then? Who were you uh, potentially stuck down there with? So it was a bit of a funny one. Um, as we kind of broke off from our first block of um, preseason in Melbourne, the kind of well, all those COVID cases started going up in Sydney and we're a bit up in the air, like, oh, should we go back? And at the time, they're like, no, 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 it's all good. And kind of the day we got back into Sydney, it was like, okay, now you need to come back. And it was just before <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> So unfortunately, oh, fortunately, actually, I um, I made a decision just to stay with the family. I think a, a few other boys did just over that Christmas break and hope that the COVID um, cases went down. Um, but they did, but not fast enough. So then now our next solution to get back into Melbourne was to um, go spend some time in in country New South Wales and regional New South Wales. So we thought on the way, you know, what what better place than the place so good they named it twice? Uh, or <laughs> Um, so no, yeah, ended up there for two weeks, which was, which was awesome. Um, and, but when we were there, like, unfortunately, Wagga Wagga and all regional New South Wales went to a red zone as well. Oh, um, so you would have had to still do the quarantine when you get back to Victoria. So 
we, we were kind of there on it, hoping for an exemption or something. And uh, it, it didn't really come until the borders reopened uh, 14 days later. But, you know, it was, it was, it was a really good time. Um, we actually, we, you know, the, the club supported us really well and, um, you know, looked after us with accommodation and, and helped us kind of find a gym and stuff like that. So we, we, were, we were quite sorted. It, um, it ended up being myself, um, a couple of new blokes in Aston Vitu and Ed Craig, and we had Theo Strang and then one of the old bulls who'd just come back, Steve Cummins. So it was a really good mix of blokes there too. Yeah, that sounds like a good crew. Uh, it's fascinating just to think that Wagga Wagga became a red spot. Like, did they have a single person? They didn't COVID? have one case. No, no, no one went through. I think the closest one may, may have been Orange or Wollongong. And that uh, is not but, close. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was really good. And they, they were really um, COVID safe there too. Um, so that, that, they were, I think all of the New South Wales were pretty... Um, stringent on, on protecting it but I think once a few cases start popping up in different areas that they can't explain it's much easier just to say the whole state's uh, got it which is uh, unfortunate unfortunate for us I reckon Victoria's got PTSD that as soon as one COVID case pops up somewhere they just lock their borders because after everything they've gone through they're like no nah, we're not doing that again close the borders close 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 <laughs> yeah I, I, well that's the thing I got caught down here in lockdown after we spent our time in Terrigal last year and it was, you know, I'm sure a lot of people did it harder than I did, but, you know, it was tough, you know. Um, not much was open at all. You go out for exercise an hour a day. Like, there's not much to do as well. So I can tell that the scars were definitely still there. And, yeah. Mm, understandable. Well, um, th- but kind of building upon that, you- you're down there for two weeks. You've got one, two, three, four, five guys, including yourself. Now, we know Ed Craig. He's been on the pod before and we've known him previously. Um, were there any of the guys there that had little quirks or habits that either you started to just pick at and just just hype them up a bit over the two weeks or that really got on your nerves? Come on, give us some goss about those, those lads that you were with. No, they were all, you know, we all got along really, really well. What Probably the, the one thing that came out of it with... Um, Young Aston, I mean, he's only 19, 20 years old, first sort of exposure to Super Rugby, and he was actually really quiet on the way in. And uh, kind of over the two weeks, he, he evolved. He was a different man. Like, he was, <laughs> he was talking to anyone and everyone in the town. He was, yeah, he was almost a celebrity of Wagga by the end of it. He, he just, he, he'd become so comfortable and stuff outside of it. But uh, no, no, everyone was pretty good. Uh, we all, you know, we, we actually had a little come dine with me. So we got through it, which was quite nice. And everyone took their turns cooking. Oh, uh, cute. <laughs> Ed Craig was – actually, Ed, Ed cooked a little mean feast. He, he's missed the stock standard when it comes to meals. But there is nothing like a home, home-cooked home meal. And I think like, a little spag bowl that he did. And I, his wife was there as well for a bit. So that, <laughs> it, you could tell it was full of love. Exactly. But, um, he's a married man. I'm sure he's he uh, got those skills down pat. Every sense of the word, he, uh, yeah, he, he was like, he was a bit of the, he was a bit of the dad figure. He was keeping an eye on all of us. Not too many times up the Victoria Hotel or getting out. It was, uh, yeah, we're all under very, very good control. So no, everyone, everyone was quite awesome there. We're actually, um, we, we got into uh, PS4 a fair bit there as well on that war zone and, and uh, Call of Duty. So. We're, the whole house was shaking. I'm sure the neighbours weren't happy with us by the end of it. <laughs> was there anyone else from the Melbourne Rebels squad that was also stuck in either New South Wales or Queensland or anywhere else throughout Australia? Yeah, so there was a couple guys. Um, 
probably uh, the biggest name was Reese Hodge was stuck um, right in Avalon for, or in North, Northern beaches of Sydney for a fair bit. And then he spent two weeks up the North coast of New South Wales, I think around Lennox head. Um, and he actually did a, re- a lot of good work there. Did, did a bit of rugby stuff with the local teams, which is awesome. So used the time wisely. Um, and then there was one other bloke, um, Tom, Tommy Nolan, who, which, who just went to his family's property. Unfortunately, my family doesn't have a property that I could go to in regional <laughs> New South Wales. So I was off to the, the, the Wagga Wagga. <laughs> Mate, there are worse places to be. I'm assuming you stopped by the dog in a tucker box at Gundagai on your way down? Of course. Yeah, good. Rat in the coffin, straight on the way down. Uh, the, probably the, the biggest uh, highlight was Wagga Beach, seventh best <laughs> beach in Australia. And such a it's joke. funny. <laughs> yeah. Everyone kept going, you know, did you catch the, the five o'clock wave? And I'm thinking, is this actually a thing? Am I going to have to wait around for it? <laughs> yeah, not to be, not to be at all. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, but no, it was, it was awesome. It was, a, it was a good time to get away. And, you know, I probably count my blessings now that it got me out of, you know, a fair bit of contact and stuff in those first few weeks back from New Year's. Cam, you, um, you're born and bred in Sydney, but you played some time over in um, the English Premiership for Gloucester. What was it that led you to sign over there? Um, I kind of out of out of under twenties, I I did a I did a preseason with Waratahs. Um, that kind of opened my eyes that I'm nowhere near ready um, to be a prop at Super Rugby level. I mean, there's some young guys who can probably go straight into it. They have the, you know, I, physically I was probably you know not there. Like I had probably maybe the skill set to do it, but physically I wasn't ready for it. Um, and that was more of the eye-opening thing there. Um, you kind of grow up wanting to play for the Waratahs and, you know, you, you support, you bleed blue, um, all, all that sort of thing. And, you know, I have a, a big respect for them. But it kind of came to the end of that, um, you know, six, seven months there where they went, look, you can be in the same position here, but, you know, you're not going to get a bigger contract. You're not going to, you know, you, you've, you've got to show a lot more progression than I did. So um, I was lucky enough, my agent, um, had a connection with Laurie Fisher at the time. He was the coach at Gloucester mm-hmm. and he, um, he opened a little opportunity there, you know, just a, you know, it was my first sort of first team contract and, and full contract, but it wasn't, it definitely wasn't there for the money or anything like that. It was just an opportunity to go and really um, find myself and, and, and define myself too. Um, it, it's obviously a place where everyone just goes, oh, they love to scrum there. They love to maul there. <laughs> and that's exactly what I needed to hear. You know, you can you can have a, a schoolboy sort of era of running around and, you know, getting some flick passes here and there and, and little things and making some big hits. But as a prop, if you don't get the uh, the bread and butter sorted, you're not really going to go anywhere. Um, so that, that, that was a huge part of my um, choice. And then when I had a look at like who was actually there and juggling up if I wanted to leave home and, and my partner as well. Um, it was it was quite quite a difficult decision, but um, the opportunity to to grow so much and and to be a part of a club that's got such like a massive history. I think it's mm. nearly 150 over 150 yep. years old. Yeah, um, it was just too too hard to say no. And that's one of the things I was going to kind of ask, like. Gloucester is one of the most prestigious in terms of its history clubs within the English Premiership. I mean, you've probably got that and Leicester that would be up there, maybe as well as Bath. And um, they are renowned alongside Leicester as being hard-edged, forward-dominated. They they never take a backward step and their forward pack historically has been like tough as nails. 
what did you kind of learn from that experience? And we know I was looking at it, you didn't get a huge amount of game time over the two seasons that were there, but what did you take away from that that you think you've been able to bring back for your game when you return to Australian rugby? Well, I kind of went over there, um, typical Aussie larrikin, thought I, you know, I thought I'd get it all straight away. And I found out the hard way that, you know, you're not going to walk into anything. You can't expect to go and do this and that. So then to put it lightly, I got my head shoved up my behind a fair few times <laughs> yep. and a fair few times as well. And, I, and, you know, that was probably the best part of it is that, it, you know, I could only get better from where I was. And it was lucky. I, I got to a point where I started stringing some games together and I, and I was performing um, up front in the set piece. And it, the best part of it was every week you're going against a new international, whether it's the premiership or you're playing in a European the guys and the tight heads you're going up against are just such high quality players. Like mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to scrum against Adam Jones in an, in an A-League game, which is, yeah. so, I mean, experiences like that, I was lucky I was training next to Richard Hibbert as a hooker. And then I had John Afoa as a tight head across from me. So having these guys, I mean, there's countless players, you know, Italians, when you play Benetton or Zebra, you know, all these guys with such great experience. So if I can, you know, hold it with them at least i know that you know there's there's a, there's a bit of um uh you know um confidence there for me to get and and grow so i was so thankful for the time and the opportunity they gave me there um and you know i, I really enjoyed that that two year stint you know being away I, I probably learned you know so much on the field but then i also learned a lot off the field about how to actually grow up and be you know be a professional player and, and person and start looking after myself I mean, you look back and I have a lot of mates from school who, you know, probably went down a different path, didn't go to a professional sport or anything like that. So it's not doing what they're doing, going out every weekend and, and enjoying themselves, but actually, you know, looking after yourself and, and, and being a, uh, you know, investing in yourself a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Ed Craig was saying that in regards to the step up that he found with that short stint that he did with Queensland Reds, that going just from the grade setup or shoot shield setup to the professionalism of a super team, it just the opportunity to really look after yourself and dedicate yourself wholly to your physical preparation was a massive change that he relished. And it sounds like that is a similar experience that you're speaking of. Oh, definitely. And you find yourself if, if you don't look after yourself, you fall behind. And as soon as you fall behind, um, it's, it's so hard to get, get back in, in, the, in the good books and get back in the coach's eyes. Um, and, and, the, and the demands of professional sport are a lot higher than club rugby level. And I guess the eliteness of it, if you know, you're at club rugby, you drop a ball here or there, you know, it's, it's not really a sin. But if you're doing it in a training and you've got, you know, five, six wallabies running around next to you or, you know, whatever you've got international guys around you, they're going to look at you like, are you taking this seriously or not? Um, so that, so there is a, a definite standard change as well. Now, 2018 saw you return back to Australian rugby to play for the Western Force. You also signed at the same time as your brother, Harrison Orr. First of all, how was it playing for the Force in the NRC? But secondly, how was it playing with your brother as well? I guess uh, the, the move back to Australia was, was, you know, there was an opportunity there. And not to, not to talk down to the force at all. There, you know, there was there was big sort of um, kind of uh, hopes and dreams put out there when when we signed on and stuff about where the game was. Um, are you eligible for Wallabies or higher selection? Uh, you know, all these different things and and the, and the you know, Blurbert Rapid Rugby as well. 
Yeah, with the Global Rapid Rugby. And when we got there, it was an awesome setup. There was lots of um, good people doing some great things. Matt Hodgson was, was you know, oh, he still is very heavily involved. Um, and, the, and the standard of the guys there were all fantastic blokes. Uh, it's just unfortunate with the games and the setup of a lot of it that, you know, a few games fell down. And um, it ended up being quite, quite a, um, a tough time because we were playing, you know, one-off uh, experience, oh, sorry, um, exhibition, exhibition games. Yes exhibition games every now and again and then going and playing club rugby two weeks in a row. Um, so that, that kind of made it a little bit hard as a, as a, you know, trying to show that I'm a professional player and, you know, this and that. And not to say I didn't enjoy, I loved the, you know, the getting involved in the club rugby stuff and me and my brother, especially, we spent a lot of time doing our community hours and, and things like that. And, and the love for rugby over there is massive. So, you know, it, it was reciprocated back to us. So, it, it was really enjoyable. It's just um, when, it, when it got to the game time, it, it did change the kind of opinion of it a little bit and that we mm. wanted a, probably a bit more professional, um, like setup of game in, game out each week. And was at the time when you did sign, was there any thought that the Western Force were moving back to Super Rugby or this was your pathway back into the Super Mix? I think it was more sold as I think Super Rugby's going away and mm-hmm. that, what global rapid rugby is the, the next big thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was looking a lot like that at the time too, with, yeah. a, you know, you had a lot, a lot of um, uh, super rugby guys moving, moving overseas and everyone moving on that you kind of had that big shift of, um, you know, older wallabies kind of moving on and stuff. So looking at, looking back at Australia and seeing it, it was, it was a massive opportunity to, to get back home, be closer to home, but then also be, be a part of an Australian team and, Kind of my, my fondest memories leaving Australia were watching the force absolutely kill it in their last season when, when they were still going in Super Rugby. And I just thought, like, that that's such an underdog team as well. And I guess... Something you know, the Tars in their last ever oh, game. Can we not talk about that? It was <laughs> oh, so bad. But it was, it was unbelievable to see. Like, And I was lucky enough to play with a few of the guys, like Ross Hallett-Petty and yep. Matt Phillips at the time in, in 20s and, and all my junior footy. So seeing those guys who are really, really good blokes um, do some good things over there, it, you know, it kind of excited me to get over. And, you know, I love, I love being in Perth. It was, it was a beautiful place. And we played some really good games there too. I just, I just wish um, in retrospect that a lot of those games kind of got together um, yeah. than it did. Well, shifting now then, because obviously after the force, you moved to the Rebels. You've been there for a while now. Um, how has this particular preseason been now that you've managed to actually join up with the squad? Is there a particular focus that the Rebels are well, focusing on for 2021? I guess, you know, every, every team's going to say they want to build on last year. <laughs> and um, uh, make the finals, win the competition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come first. <laughs> Look, I, I think we take a lot of, you know, confidence out of last year, but we, we understand that, you know, we, we can't reinvent the wheel, but we've also got to change some things in our team. Um, I think like start, starting like with our set piece, we, we were really, uh, we kind of grew into our own uh, towards the end of the season where we, you know, we started to show our, our dominance as a pack. Um, I mean, you look at the Brumbies and, and they've been regarded for years about their, their rolling mall and, and their scrum. And I think now, you know, we're, we're starting to get up to that, that level, but it's all about um, delivering uh, a performance that you know people are proud of but that's consistent you know people look at us and say okay this is the team that that can do this can do that and they've got a bit of flair on top so I think this year specifically we're, we're just looking at playing some 
real up-tempo rugby on top of teams and, and using the skill we have. I mean, we've got, no, what's it, four or five of the best, you know, Wallaby backs, you know, mm-hmm. available. And then we've yeah. got some F- uh, Fijian international. We've got some Argentinian guys who've just signed on as well. Yeah. So we've got a lot of flair, a lot of experience, but we've also got a, a young, exciting pack who are keen to throw the ball around, but also front up at, at the start. And is there any thought put to the COVID situation, how it currently sits? Is there fears amongst the team or the managers that you may be forced into a bubble situation similar to last season? Well, we haven't really spoken about it too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm sure there's a lot of like uh, contingency plans going around at the moment if, if things do get worse or whatever happens with borders and things like that. But I think we're in a, in a really good position that, you know, for, I think 70, 70% of our squad has been, already been through that. So if, if that were to happen again, we wouldn't, we wouldn't know. Uh, well, sorry, we would know what it would, how to handle it, how to do the distance, how to do the time away and how, how to be as professional club as you can whilst not having a home really. Mm. One of the questions I wanted to ask, I was just skimming through the Melbourne Rebels squad on a website and um, Looking at the pictures of Kabus Ilof reminded me of his fantastic try to get you guys into the final series last season. Um, what was the chat around that in the sheds afterwards? Did, has he not shut up about that try? <laughs> He's a man of uh, few words, but every now and again he does bring it up. He had a he had a big year of moments, Caboose. He's he's yeah. one of the he's one of the characters in the team. He's mate. He's a, a hard hitting South African. But um, outside of the rugby field, he's the nicest bloke ever. So, but no, he, he's, he's a very humble bloke. So he didn't carry on too much. But I, I, I do look back at that moment every now and again and I see the celebration by uh, Hooker Effie before that, thinking he'd scored it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, one of the great moments. I look back at that all the time and I, I think, you know, what a, what a special moment that was. And especially looking up at the. Um, coaches who you know they're in tears and stuff making their first finals and it's, i'm sure it's a long time coming for a lot of those coaches who've been together for quite a while yeah it was really bittersweet both mitch and i are pretty diehard tars supporters so when you guys got that try that obviously kicked us out of the finals but at the same time being the first time that the rebels actually made the finals was you just wanted to cheer that and you just wanted to celebrate that just for Aussie rugby and for the team itself. Cause you just had so many quality players across the board that it was almost surprising that you hadn't made it before that. It's, I um, mean, you look back, well, I think it was what, two years ago and you had your Quade Coopers, your Will Genius, your Adam Coleman's plus all the guys who are here now. Um, and you think, you know, what, what a fantastic that team, team was. And uh, they, I think they had a really great year that year, but just fell short at the end. I think we took, you know, as much as that must have been a hard year, taken a lot out of that and kind of rebuilt the thinking behind it um, in that, you know, the guys we, we have are quality, but it's, it is more about a team effort and getting everyone on the same page. And I think now we've got a really, you know, um, Kevin put our defence coach, he's, he's massive on our, on our culture and our team culture. And I think everyone's buying in on the same page. And these are, you know, guys who've just come up from the academy or guys who've been here for, you know, Reese Hodge since they started their careers. So there's, there's guys here who are, you know, buying into to what we want to do. And it's, it's, a, it's a collective effort now, which is, you know, I think one of probably the most exciting thing we've got. 
Now, we need you to be a bit honest here, Cam. You were very diplomatic <laughs> before. Um, Ed Craig, we know him. He's been on a pod before. He, he's a good guy. Um, first Super Rugby contract, well, like permanent Super Rugby, full-time Super Rugby contract. Uh, how's he settled in? Is he, is he being a father to everybody within the squad? How's, how's he been going? He is a great man. He's, you know, always, he honestly is. He, he turns up and he's, he's a bundle of energy and he, um, he's got that kind of focus that he, he really wants this. I mean, he's, he's got his teaching degree and he knows he's, he's got a fallback, but he's, he's buying into everything and, and really giving it a crack. And you can kind of tell when, when the fitness sessions come and the drills come, a lot of boys go quiet, but he always out of the back of your ear, you hear Ed going, come on, boys, get up for it, boys. So he's, um, no, he, he's awesome to have around. He, he is a really good bloke. He, he does have some, uh, you know, poor dad jokes that come out every now and again. Um, but that, that's all part of his charm and stuff. So he, he knows the balance between it and it's, it's, a, it's a good, um, good balance to have. But he's, he's a pleasure to have down. And outside of Ed, are there any other players that are really standing out to you personally in this preseason? Uh, I mean, building on last year, there's, you know, I, I think one back rower to watch out for is Josh Kemeny. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. He's, you know, impeccable rig, which makes all all the props <laughs> feel like, feel terrible. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he's even looked at a carb in the past, you know, three years. Can't keep um, a shirt on. Yeah, can't give his shirt on. But no, he, you know, he's a young footballer, but he's really, really talented. Um, and, he, and he's got, he's got a, lot, um, a lot of knowledge for a young head, which is awesome, especially around the back row. He just goes all day as well. And I guess probably one other is a tight head, um, Reese Van Neck. He gets a bit of coverage up in um, uh, you know, the north of the border there of New South Wales. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We don't talk about the Queensland. We don't like them. <laughs> uh, no, nah, there. Uh, yeah, so we've got Reese, and and he's awesome, mate. He's he's come off a, a big year with um, East Tigers in yeah. in the Premiership up there, um, in Prem Grade, and he's he, he's been fantastic. He's he's still learning. It's his first Super Rugby contract, but he's throwing himself at everything and really trying to get the most out of it. And um, as a tight head, he's making my life a nightmare at scrum time, which is which is exactly what you want. And someone from who's only, I think, 21 years old, 22 years old, is awesome. So, yeah, I think, I think he'll, he'll, I believe he'll debut this year at some time and uh, he'll, he'll be around for a long time. Well, I mean, that was part of kind of our question of who has, who do you think is going to be cracking into the 23 that maybe we wouldn't be expecting? Because you've got some of the new players um, that you would go, oh yeah, they're, they're doing really well in their first season within the squad. So this will be a learning experience and maybe in 2022, that's their turn. Are there any bolters that you think we're going to be seeing a lot of this, maybe seeing a lot of this year? So I still think, yeah, the neck there, but then also maybe Lockie Anderson. Um, yeah, okay. He, he's he's come, obviously come from over at sevens and um, but he's he's made an absolute name for himself at training. He's just so such a good controller from the back of the field and he can play anywhere he really in in, in the back line and, and do it well. I mean he's an ex um, back rower but he's just got such good speed and and, and just got a good um, uh, view of the game too. So I reckon he'll he'll get a bit of game time and he'll complement the other you know, back five that we've got as well. Um, so I definitely reckon he'll, he'll be playing a few games this year. 
That's, that was one thing um, yeah. I noticed last year. There was a few sevens players that you had on on the bench, or not even on the bench, sort of in the extent, extended squad that didn't see much game time. Was there a particular reason for that? I think once it got towards the end of the end of the kind of the year and the tournament, the coaches, you know, and our coaches all around the world, they rely on what they see and what they know. So yeah. giving giving a sort of a, I wouldn't. Oh, it is it is a risk in a way. Um, to a new player or something you don't really have that built trust for an understanding of what they do on the field makes it quite hard um, but yeah, you saw and ando did debut against the force in one of the last rounds um, but you know there's still louis holland there who's uh, i would i'd hate to think how many caps he's got for sevens as well yeah and gerald skelton who's an absolute mm-hmm. beast so yeah, yeah that's who i was i'm keen to see him play some game time this yeah, year. Time. i i i think he will too it'll be exciting to see um him play because he's <laughs> i feel bad he's he last week he absolutely cut one of the boys in half in a in a contact <laughs> drill and everyone just stopped and looked and thought what's going on here get the stretcher out it was unbelievable <laughs> it was a big kaboom moment uh, but yeah he, he is an absolute hitman so hopefully he'll get some game time too as well he's been he's been training quite a, quite well as well that's pretty fantastic, mate. Now, I just want to kind of jump back to what we were talking about with the Rebels making their first final appearance last year. Um, obviously, like you were mentioning, the the tears from the coaches up in the in the coaches box, the the passion that was seen on the field. Can you just talk a little bit more about what that meant to the players and the club a bit more broadly? I guess you know it, it came at a time when, especially Melbourne, uh, our Melbourne supporters were were doing it quite tough as well. Um, it just it just meant a lot, you know. Guys that spent a lot of time away from their families, a lot of time, you know, uh, in, in in an uncomfortable environment. I mean, it's nice being around the boys twenty four seven, but everyone wants their own space, everyone wants their mm. own time. But it was just to finally get some reward from what we'd put into into you know the training, the long hours, staying away, um, spending two weeks in Canberra, and then whatever it was, ten weeks in Terrigal. It, um, it, it just gave it purpose. Mm-hmm. And we, we kind of felt a little bit frustrated towards the end of the first proper, or well, not proper, uh, the first block of Super Rugby of the year yep. where we were playing against other teams. And we started to build a lot of momentum there. And then that kind of got taken away just before the um, before round seven. So we were kind of like, oh, we've got to readjust what we want. You know, you know, it's easy to say we want to be the best team in Australia, but do we actually do we actually want that? Do we actually want to be known as you know, the, the, the prime number one team. And I guess, you know, as we shifted our focus away from that um, Super Rugby, uh, the first Super Rugby comp, we, we started to believe in that. And I think we, you know, we if we look back on that whole season, we, we let a lot of games go. I mean, we, I think we had the highest amount of bonus points out yeah. of any of the teams, but, you know, we, we didn't win as many games. And when it, when it came down, we, I think we won three in a row at one stage. We were on a really good trajectory. We, you know, we were still only one loss away from not being in the, you know, the top three. Um, so, so actually scraping through a bit was, was a blessing, but we knew there was always going to be a big challenge on the other side of that as well. And if we look at 2021, we know that the club will be aiming to at least make the finals. What do the Rebels need to change or improve in themselves to give themselves the best chance of achieving that goal? Uh, I don't think we need to change an unbelievable amount, but we definitely need to refine what we did last year. Uh, there was there was some moments there where I think we got over the try line, but we were held up about 12 or 
no, sorry, I think it was 19 times we were held up and there was a, there was a dropout against us. That's against the Reds, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I yep. mean, there was that, that game where they made over 200 tackles or whatever. It was ridiculous. And then the fourth um, game at the end, you, you guys went over there a few times as well. Yeah. Well, I think we had five disallowed tries that day. So, I mean, th- that's, you know, in retrospect, it is a bit of a killer because there's so many opportunities there where we're getting ourselves into good positions, but we're not converting. So that's, that's definitely a focus of, of really getting down there. And traditionally, if it was the old rules where you get a five-meter scrum, we're loving that. But yeah. we've, got to, we've got to adapt a bit more to that. And I think we've, we've got the personnel. And I think actually individually our players are, are in a better spot. You know, I think our fitness was, was quite good last year, but our skill set probably dropped us down and, and, and our game understanding might have been the difference. But I think there's a lot of guys now who've got you know a bit more confidence under their belt, you know, um, have up, have lifted up their skill sets, especially in attack, and that that we're in a position to to really step it up this year. You mentioned before um, around the the change in rules for last year for 2020 with the um, the dropout from a, a hold up instead of the five meter scrum. Do you know if that those rules are being played in 2021? Has there been any talk of that? There's not been anything published in the media. No, nothing, nothing's been said to us about changing it. We, we only assume that those rules will be similar. But I, you know, we're, we're open to if they do bring new rules and stuff, we'll, we'll adapt to those and, and we won't change too much about the way we play, but we'll definitely take consideration of them. But you're still you're preparing yourselves to play the rules that were in place last year? Yeah, like the 50-22 yeah, okay, things cool. like that. So, which is, you know, really good really good for our kickers and actually good for our forwards because we get to get up and, and get into really good positions and, and use some of our strengths. Yeah, definitely. I'd be really keen for that um, goal line dropout to continue as previously, simply to see Pony Farmacilli <laughs> do his massive league style runs again. Oh, they were some of the highlights of the entire season. It was fantastic. As long as I'm, I'm on his team, yeah. I'm more than happy for him to do it. As long as he's not running at you. Him and Nella, the clashes that those two had were just (laughs) incredible. The stadium was shaking every time those two got together. They're iconic. They're both iconic. I still remember the one, um, Pone's first start against the Waratahs at the SCG, and he was shaken off Michael Hooper, Jack Dempsey, Swinton. So it was, you know, unbelievable strength for a big boy. And I think, you know, him specifically, he'll, he'll take another step up this year, especially... He's scrummaging, so oh, yeah. I think there'll be a lot more carrybacks on the uh, on the dropouts for him. <laughs> Mate, we'll see if he can get beyond like forty-two minutes of a game this time. That was that was his specialty. <laughs> he'd have an incredible first half, and in about three or four minutes after, he'd be like, "No, I'm done. I'm out." I'm, I'm sure he would have got he would have got pounded in Wallaby Camp for it. So he's <laughs> exactly. yeah. Hopefully, yeah. fifty-two is good. We'll give him that. All right, so yeah, give him an extra ten. That. An extra ten is perfect. <laughs> now, um. Obviously, there are some pretty exciting, just like we were talking about players in Super Rugby, that you are going to be coming up against. Is there anyone in particular that you just cannot wait to lock horns with? I guess as a prop, like, you know, I want, I want to go against, you know, the best of the best. And it's probably, you know, Alan Alator or, um, or Taniela Tupu. You know, I, I get the best out of myself when I'm going against uh, those players and, you know, I, I think especially, you know, guys like that, if, if you can, you know, meet, meet them in the, in the set piece and that, it kind of takes away from their game out on the field too. Um, so you can sort of have your impact on the game by, you know, giving your best against these folks. And I think they're both world class. So yep. being able to, you know, be up at their level and, and challenge them or, you know, 
um, play against those blokes, you, you're only going to get better from it. And you mentioned earlier that you've grown up being a Waratahs fan and, and dreaming of playing for them one day. Um, now that you're playing for the Rebels and you come up against them, what is that like? Is it Does it sort of make it a bit different for you that you're actually playing against the team you always grew up looking up, looking up to? Yeah, I mean, if you'd asked me five years ago would we be playing for the Rebels or anything like that, I, I'd probably say no, no chance in the world. But the thing is, like, I was given a huge opportunity here and I'm yeah. forever thankful to, to Dave Wessel and, and all the coaches because they, they, you know, they've given me an opportunity that, that you know, other teams weren't, weren't going to give. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I'm really thankful for that. So when I go against them, I, I actually, I, I just think about the now. I, I don't think about, you know, how I grew up and, mm. and you know, I want to play for them. But, you know, it, it's, it's just a bit strange going up against more so the faces I'm playing against because, I've grown up playing with with most of those guys, or if not with, I've played against them all through junior rugby. So it's it's a bit hard because everyone there is sort of your mate, but um, you know, you got your job is to go and you know pick them up and put them put them on their ass. And it's very similar to Reese Hodge as well. He was he grew up in New South Wales and Northern Beaches now, boy. Yeah, now he's playing for the Rebels as well. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's it is special to play against the Waratahs because I, I always say you know. I've grown up thinking Waratahs with you know the, the bees knees, and I still think they're an awesome team. Um, so so getting to go against them is is just as good as playing for them. For me. Yeah, definitely. Now you mentioned Dave Vessels before. He has come under a little bit of pressure and scrutiny over the last couple of seasons because as we mentioned before the rebels have had a pretty stacked team over the last couple of years they've had the back line has been almost international class with the number of wallabies that they've had in it and a forward pack obviously in no slouches uh what do you think are some of the qualities that he brings as a coach that we as just fans and maybe even pundits may not see from the outside well, I mean, just for starters, Dave is, you know, he is a great, he's a great bloke to all of us. Um, he, he does, he understands sort of the intricacies of, of player management. Um, but then he, he knows rugby so well. I mean, he'll, he'll look at a game and, and find things that no one's even contemplating. Um, so his understanding of how rugby works and how rugby is, um, it is unbelievable. And I think he's probably got a bit of, you know, the reason why he's probably copped a bit of flack is because there's such big expectation on, on the players and it it's, must be such a hard job to try and get that through um, for him and, and try and put it all together. But, um, you know, I've, I've never felt closer to a team and more connected to a team than I have under Dave and, and the other coaches too, because, you know, we're, we're, we are all on the same page and, you know, we, we all feel, you know, we're vying for the same cause and that's, that's created from him. So, He's, um, he's also got a, a great ability to, to motivate boys and get them thinking about the same idea. Um, I think, you know, in the past I've had coaches where, you know, they'll, they'll tell you to do something and you kind of second guess it. Whereas, you know, if Dave's going to say that to you, it, it's, you know, there's a purpose behind it. There's a reason and, you know, it's going to benefit the team and myself. Mm, cool. Yeah, that's a great insight. Thanks for sharing that. Um, if we move to the squad, apart from yourself, who is the most entertaining member of the squad? Who brings <laughs> up the energy in the sheds? Who hypes things up when needed? Well, there's probably a few of them. Like I think Trevor Hosea gets a, gets a big rap on social media. He was, he was TikTok famous for a bit, uh, doing all these <laughs> little dances. He's, uh, he's always got, he's got a little quirky remark to, to everything, even the coaches. And 
he, you know, the best thing about it, he treats everyone just as if, you know, they, they were their fam- they were his family. So one of the great men. But I, um, probably a little bit from left field, I think probably the one, like one of the great entertainers is um, Louis Holland. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, mate. He's, he's just like, you know, he's a, he's a country boy, but he's always upbeat. He's always full of energy. He's, you know, and probably he, he's very loyal to the boys as well. And if something's not right at training, or anything, like he's the first one to stand up. But um, he, he's always the first one to rip a joke on the coaches or all the, all the players too. So it's yeah, you know, it's a good balance and it's a good person to have a part of the squad. Now the structure is pretty different this year. Um, well, sorry, it's continuing on from last year's different structure where we've got the Super AU. Then we just swap over into a Trans Tasman Comp. Um, do you kind of like this competition format? Do you think it's something that you'd like it to continue on, or would you prefer, if possible, a return to the older style of the Super Rugby format without the separate competitions? I mean, I would I would love for the Australian New Zealand Comp to be connected, and we had more of like a maybe like a home and away between New Zealand and Australia, but logistically at the moment especially with covid it, it's not a thing and i think waiting waiting another extra couple months for for things to settle and and for plans to be made is a good idea because it, it almost guarantees those games to go ahead as long as covid kind of stays away so i mean as long as you know kiwi teams are involved as well i think it's a it's a massive opportunity and i think even in the future if they would include teams from japan or something that kind of correlates with our time zone and yeah. things like that it'll be a huge opportunity because you'll be getting, you know, class players from, you know, all over Japan who are then again from all over the world. Um, and then you've got all the Kiwi guys who've grown up on rugby. The, the standard is just going to go through the roof. And I think, you know, that, that'll benefit rugby in Australia as well. And with the competition as it currently sits this year with, with AU first and then the Kiwis, does that change your preparation at all? Or are you just looking to do the Rebels thing, build a base and just grow on that throughout both competitions? I think this, yeah, this first competition is going to set the tone leading into the next. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as you know, as a team, we, we haven't even said anything about the New Zealand competition. We're purely focused on, uh, on, on this competition and, and showing our preparation and, and you know, our, our building upon last year. So, no, it's been all focused on this first competition we're looking at that uh, round two when our first game is on cool well we've got some fan questions that have come in via twitter so i'll throw those at you first um this one comes from hugh tyndall he's asking what is it like flying the rugby flag in victoria where everything besides afl seems like an afterthought (laughs) uh probably not wrong uh but no there is plenty of love for rugby down here you just got to look in the right places so it's, it's probably not in Collingwood or in, <laughs> in Richmond <laughs> on Swan Street. But uh, no, it's definitely, there's a lot of love down here for rugby. And there's a real, there's, you know, some, some of the guys who are involved with Rugby Victoria and, and spreading the development and that are fantastic at their jobs. And some of the recruitment rates I was speaking like uh, with some of the coaches has been huge. Um, probably the most difficult thing, and I think all sports after last year was getting getting people back on the field and actually playing and, I can imagine after a year of not playing competitive sport, whether it be rugby, AFL or anything down in Melbourne, people are just keen to get back out there. So there, there, there is a huge opportunity now for, you know, if, if Rebels can do well and start getting a bit of a, um, you know, a growing up fan base still, I think things are on the right trajectory. 
Awesome. And this last one comes from Ryan. It's a two-parter. So the first part is, do you know when the official squad announcement will be made? Um, and then well, I'll get you to answer that and then I'll ask the second one. Uh, I don't myself, but I can imagine it would be over the next uh, week to two weeks before our first game. I'm pretty sure most of our guys are here at the moment. Hopefully some... Uh, some juicy announcements to come, but I won't. I won't say too much. You haven't got any anyone up yet. <laughs> he definitely does, but he's obviously not allowed. <laughs> I may have. I may have one or two, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, we'll keep that one tight-lipped for now. Oh, we'll keep. We'll look on the social. <laughs> Very exciting. Um, the second part of that question from Ryan says, "What's the better look, Corabetti with his beard gone, um, <laughs> Hodgie always forgetting to wear a shirt, or Kobias in his pink budgie smugglers?" Oh, uh, caboose in the in the caboose. Sorry, caboose. Easy, um, caboose definitely. Then Marika's beard, and then Hodge can keep his shirt on. It's off too much, <laughs> and he doesn't tan either. He's a burner, so he needs to he needs to keep it on. Slip, slop, slap. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Um, actually, as we're talking, we've just had the announcement from the Rebels for Lucio Sordoni and Ignacio Calas from the Pumas. So that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure that all of the Argentinian team will be playing in Australia pretty soon. Yeah, I think that was, that was a directive from um, Mario Ledesma just trying to get guys to go and play outside of Argentina. And, well, it helps them because if they need to come back together, at least they're in you know, um, COVID-free spots and things like that. Um, to join back up, but it's it's also a good standard for them. And to have, you know, all the uh, the Pumas split between the teams, or most of them, it's just gonna it's just gonna elevate our rugby and I'm sure their rugby too. You yeah. saw how competitive they were last year as well. So um, yeah, how exciting. That's awesome. Well, mate, why don't we move on to a couple of uh, simple questions about you, not as a rugby player. So if you were not playing rugby, what sport would you like to go professional in? Well, if I think money-wise, it's definitely golf or something like that and, <laughs> and look after the body. But, um, you know, I, I think I grew up playing um, baseball. Oh, so okay. I, I would really like to be over playing Major League Baseball in America, you know, sign one of those 10, 15-year contracts, set up shop and just be, you know, it'd be nice, be hitting home runs, but I'm probably getting struck out every time. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I reckon I'd be playing baseball over, over in the States, I think. That's awesome. That's a, yeah, that's a bit left field. We haven't had that one yet. Yeah, that's a good um, one. Now, I saw on your, I think it was on your Instagram, I saw some pretty good references of Bonnie there. So if you had a chance to attend two live concerts anywhere in the world, where would you go and which band or artist would you see? Well, I grew up going to Big Day Out and, oh, and yes, those sort of concerts. Yeah. And, I, and I saw some really, really good ones that, you know, still stick in my mind every day. I love them. Who'd you catch but, um, out of interest? Um, so uh, one year was the Kanye West in yeah, Sydney. Cool. So Kanye West, The Killers, um, Ramstein was another one, which oh, was huge. Yeah. And I got I got whiplash marks on my back from a man's hair braids. So that's one for <laughs> for the books. Um, in in the mosh pit. Uh, what else did I see? There's a few. Um, MIA was good. Uh, Lupe Fiasco was another mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm. Angus and Julia Stone were there. Um, Birds of Tokyo was another big one for me. Yeah, I've you know stayed um, listening to. Um, Yeah, no, there was oh, it was so good. I'm thinking now. Yeah, no, but such good memories going to that. But I think you know if there was one of the bands would be the DMAs. Yeah, cool. Big, yeah, Australian homegrown. Um, I'd like to see. And more theatre is pretty good. 
Yes. Um, but if I could, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's a hard one. This makes me think. Uh, yeah, it probably would be Bonnie Bird, but it'd have to be like on a on like a on like a waterside, sitting on a hill. It's got to be like real peaceful as well. Yeah. So no, that that'd be the one. That'd be have the you one. have you caught him live before? No, never. The, oh. the only one similar yeah. who I'm quite fond of was Chet, Chet Baker and saw him live and he was fantastic. I saw him um, opening for the Temper Trap at the Opera House. That was pretty epic. Uh, um, opera and House as well. Yeah, I saw, I've seen Bonnevere twice at the Opera House and that is just something else. Something yes. else entirely. Some, Some of the videos the on YouTube. Are, yeah. yeah. Oh, unbelievable. Anyway, we'll stop talking music. Um, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think, Mitch, we're going to need to wrap things up. Yeah, no, I think we're uh, we're all done. So thank you for your time tonight, Cam. And um, we wish you all the best with Super Rugby AU this year. Thank you so much. And yeah, thank you for having me on. And fingers crossed it's a big one. Absolutely keen. Thanks so much, mate. Go well. Cheers. Support for this episode of the Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's grooming both above and below the waist. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all of your grooming needs. And you can get 20% off plus free shipping with this special code GETINVOLVED, all one word, at au.manscaped.com. That's GETINVOLVED. Now, Mitch, one of the most important things for rugby players to do is to take care of their rugby balls. Have you ever nicked your rugby balls? Oh, it's probably one of the most painful things you can do. It's horrible. It really is. And that is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Just for you, Mitch. Just for you. So the Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball head trimmer ever created. And they just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, which is what Mitch and I have been sent. And we are mightily impressed. Now, one of the other amazing features about the Lawnmower 3.0 is it also includes an LED light, which illuminates your grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. So it also features a third generation trimmer, a cutting edge made of ceramic to reduce the grooming accidents, which we spoke of before. Get 20% off and free shipping with a code, get involved, one word, at au.manscape.com. Your rugby balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with a code, get involved at au.manscape.com. It's time to take care of your balls. <laughs> Well, thank you, Cameron, for your time there. That was an awesome, awesome opportunity to chat with you. And how No great. pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> or was it? You'll never know. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um, but yeah, how great was that, Ando? What was your biggest that- takeaway from that chat? I just loved it. He was so um, personable and willing to just give his time and chat through things. Um, I was really... I just really enjoyed the insight he gave us into Dave Vessels. So he's somebody that he's one of the coaches who we slash you particularly have not <laughs> always been the kindest to on the pod. Um, we never say anything about the, about players or coaches as people, but just yeah. in regards to the role. And, and thank you. I just got to say, thank you for not throwing me under the bus in that. I was worried that you were going <laughs> to say something. 
No, no, I, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> um, I should have so should have said something like, so um, Mitch thinks that Dave should have got fired after the last season. Now he's still kept his job. Tell Mitch why he's wrong. <laughs> I didn't do that. Um, I really enjoyed the fact that Cam was speaking to some of the strengths that Dave has from an analytical perspective. And it just helps to provide a bit of depth behind the people because you don't really see that level of conversation and communication about the nuances of the game from coaches on a regular well really at all actually um and so it was just nice to know that he does have these qualities and to flesh out that character more i mean i know it's obvious a super rugby level coach would obviously be an excellent analyst of the game but it just helps us stay away from these stereotypes about people like check his only good qualities are that he's a motivator and that's all he can do he has no tactical nuance whatsoever it just it stops us from having those stereotypes and i think that's a really good thing to have in australian rugby particularly for dave vessels who did come under fire last season for the uh, last couple of years of performances of the rebels yeah, no, I agree. Perfect. Very well summarized, Ando. Um, I think that leads us perfectly into our 2021 preview. So we've heard from Cam. Now it's time to hear from us. So let's, before we look to 2021, let's look at Re- the Rebels' performance in 2020. So they came third in Super Rugby AU, which was their first ever finals appearance. They unfortunately did go down to the Reds in Brisbane. Um, their record was three from six for Super Rugby, 20, uh, Super Rugby 2020 prior to... Super Rugby AU. Now, that's not a great record, but in saying that, they did beat the Highlanders at home 28 to 22 in New Zealand, which was a very impressive performance from from the guys down in Melbourne. If we move into Super Rugby AU 2020, they were three from eight. Now, again, not the best record going around, but it did secure them that third place spot to play in the quarterfinal. And they did also beat the Brumbies 30 to 12 in Leichhardt. So overall... I think this was the season that they were, it was probably the best that they could have done in that season. Yeah. But even in saying that, I mean, it's three from eight. That's really not good. And what that also highlights is how far behind the force were last season, at least in regards to points. And the fact that the Waratahs were also very poor too. So you had one standout team, one very good team in the Reds, and then everybody else was fairly mediocre and the Rebels were just the just the top of a mediocre group. I mean, they only just scraped into the finals ahead of the Tars on points difference. Yeah. So it really, like, that, that win against the Brumbies in the driving rain at Leichhardt was impressive. I would have thought that the Brumbies would have had a stronger set piece and a stronger game in that type of weather but the the rebels really dominated that match so all credit to them for that win it's just i don't know they yeah, made it's the not finals. a good record is yeah. it yeah i'm it's just not a convincing season either and, it, and even and then i think that still took yeah. them right up until the 79th or 78th minute of that final game of the season to secure that win against the force which ultimately kicked out the waratahs so yeah and it was a bit of like a i won't say a ridiculous it was like win but just that moment of kind of the ball popping out everybody thinking that the try had been scored in a previous play and then Ilf just picking it up and just dotting it on the line it was just a really weird way to win the match and get yourself into the first ever final series Um, so it's yeah it just wasn't convincing 2020 even despite the fact they got to their uh first ever finals appearance but i think we have to be realistic too like it was a pretty hard year for for the rebels they were yes they went into round one of super rugby au expecting to play in canberra and then go home and then Mm -hmm. they were just left in a bubble for the rest of the season so 
both the Waratahs, oh, sorry, the Waratahs, the Reds, and the Brumbies didn't have that issue as much. Mm-hmm. So if you take away the Force, who also didn't perform that well, they were the only other team that was really in that bubble for the whole year. So I think that really does need to be taken into consideration. No yep. home games all year. They were playing in Sydney. Um, that last game of the season against the, oh, the second last game of the season, sorry, against the Waratahs, it was our last game, um, was played in Leichhardt. And that was essentially a Waratahs home game, even though it was... They were playing for the home team. So very hard conditions. Hopefully moving into 2021, we can see uh, it even out a little bit without that travel issues, without the COVID bubble and that kind of thing. Hopefully, hopefully. And yeah, thanks for putting that qualifier in as well because I hadn't mentioned it, but it's obviously something that needs to be considered for their performances. Now, if we move into ins and outs of the team, before we go through the list in great detail, we've just got the numbers and the Rebels have actually got a pretty consistent um, pretty even number of players that they've lost to the amount of players that they've brought in. So they've brought in 13 new players and they've lost 18. So that's not, I mean, it's a large number of players going out, but they've also done quite good in their recruitment. So Andrew, let's run through the ins and outs. Okay, cool. So do you want me to go through the outs and you go through the ins? Sure. Okay, cool. Now I'm just going to quickly read through them. I don't want to stop on everyone and uh, comment on them but Jermaine Ainsley is at the Highlanders Mies Erasmus has gone over to French team and I think it's prudent um Ferretti Saga has retired and Ruan Smith has gone to LA Giltinis Andrew Rangi is over to Japan S.A. Hangana is over in Panas- Japan with Panasonic Wild Knights Gideon Kohlenberg Kohlenberg is over to Japan Matt Phillip has gone to power for a one-year deal Angus Cottrell has also gone to the LA Giltinis Luke Jones has gone to Racing 92 Boyd Killingsworth has moved back to Sydney and is playing Shoot Shield for Warringah Ryan Lawrence has gone to Japan Andrew Diggins gone to Japan Tom English Japan Billy Meeks to LA Giltinis Andrew Kellaway to Japan Harry Potter has flown on his broom back to Leicester <laughs> Tigers and Samisi Tupu is in Japan so a lot of those deals from what I heard were made prior to um when when those Rupert discussions about the pay deals were getting made there was a lot of uncertainty about super rugby and whether the clubs would even uh, be able to pay their players at all so i think a lot of players were encouraged to look for deals overseas and that's why we're seeing so many going to japan yeah that the players sort of like billy meeks andrew kellaway Harry Potter, Angus Cottrell, those were the players that you really thought might have been hanging around for another year, considering Mm. that they're kind of fringe players on the Wallabies outskirts and quite big names for the Rebels. But yeah, interesting that they've all sort of jumped ship at the end of the year. Um, Out of all of the players that we just named, who was your biggest or big couple of biggest names that they've lost? Matt Phillip, 100%. So Matt Phillip and... I reckon Lucan Salakailoto were the best locks within Australian rugby mm-hmm. in 2020. And obviously that's got proven by the fact that there were picks as the starting combo for the Wallabies. And Luke Jones was fantastic. Sorry, not Luke Jones. Uh, Matt Phillip was fantastic. He was, in my opinion, the player of the Tri-Nations mm-hmm. um, for Australia. And his loss, albeit for 12 months, it is a one-year deal and he is returning he said so afterwards his loss is really significant because he would have been the main the core leader within that pack and would have given them them some stability within their second row because at the moment like you're going to go through some of the incomings but really it's only trevor hosea 
who is continuing on with the squad. And whilst he had a good year, he's not experienced to the same level as Matt Phillip. Um, and he's not that leader. So I think their second row is actually relatively weak, despite We've having a couple Ross of Hale decent incomings. Well. Yeah, yeah, but... We didn't see I'm, much of him last year after he got stuck No, we down didn't. In, down in Melbourne, but yeah. Yeah. So I think, in my opinion, Matt Phillip is the biggest uh, loss from that squad. Yeah, for me, if we if we look more to the backs, I was really surprised that Ryan Lawrence was going overseas. I was actually mm. really impressed with his performance, probably more in the Super Rugby regular season prior to Super Rugby AU. I think he did pick up a, yeah, a, calf, it was a bicep, or, um, injury. bicep injury, yeah, and then ended up getting stuck back in Melbourne in the quarantine bubble. So, yep. yeah, we didn't see much of Super Rugby AU, but prior to that, I was really impressed with him. Um, another player that was also performing well in the first half of the year and not so much in the second was Andrew Kellaway. So, yep. So again, we've seen him play really well at the end of super rugby in its, in its previous form, he was the top try scorer, but moving into super rugby AU, I don't know what happened, but he just kind of, his form really dipped. So maybe it was that he had already secured that contract with Japan when that whole sort of the break was going on. And so he, his mind was somewhere else. I'm not too sure. Um, But yeah, for me, as well as Matt Phillip, as you said, I think those are going to be the biggest um, misses for the Rebels next year. Now let's run through their ins list. Um, I'm going to apologize for anyone that I get wrong here in terms of pronunciation, but we'll start at the props. We've got Isaac Edo Kalea from the University of Queensland, Lucio Sordoni from the Jaguars, Rice Van Neck, um, Reese Van Neck, um, another prop. We look for hookers, friend of the pod, Ed Craig, assigned with the Rebels from the Reds or um, Shoot Shield. Eastwood, yep. Yep, Eastwood. We've got in the locks, Ignacio Callas from Argentina or the Jags. Josh Canman from Brighton Grammar School and Steve Cummins from Powell. We've in the flankers or the loose forwards, we've got Sione Lalesio. Yeah, Lalesio um, and Jarrell Skelton. Now, I've got big things hoping for this guy. He's from the Australian yep. Sevens. Um, scrum half, they've secured Moses Pereo from the Melbourne Harlequins, which is a local uh, team down in, in Victoria. They've also, and this is probably one of the bigger names of Super Rugby 2021, Joe Powell has been signed from the Brumbies. In the fly half position, they've signed Carter Gordon from the Reds and Mason Gordon huge. from Brisbane yeah, Boys College, both Carter from Queensland. Gordon, is huge. Yeah, massive. In the centres, Lewis Holland from the Sevens and... I'm probably going to get this completely wrong. but Ilekina Vudogo. Well done. From the Brisbane Broncos. So keen to see how he performs in the 15-man code. On the wingers, they've also got Lockie Anderson from the Australian Sevens team and young Tuna Maipe from the Gold Coast Titans, another league convert. So, right. Ando, if we look through that list, who are your biggest, who are you most impressed with? Um, I think the acquisition of Joe Powell is obviously important. Losing Ryan Lowrens is very significant. Um, Frank Lamani is a good player. So is kind of Theo Strang and James Tuttle. Like they're all decent, but Powell is that step above. He's yeah. that Wallabies level player who's going to be competing for the bench spot with the Wallabies. So he needed with White Nick White coming back to the Brumbies. He, this move is fantastic. I would have been okay with him coming to the Waratahs as well. <laughs> um, so him moving to the Brumbies or the Tars 
Stars was a fantastic idea for his career. And I really hope to see him shine. I'm also keen to see what happens with Carter Gordon and whether, because he has some really high raps from the Reds and the Reds were not happy about him leaving. So I'm hopeful that he is going to get some game time with the only other recognized fly half really ahead of him is going to be Matt Tamua. Now we know the Reese Hodge can do a job at number 10, but I actually don't rate him that much at number 10 at all. Um, despite the fact that he was number 10 in our win over the uh, Kiwis, he just doesn't have the game suited for that position. You have to basically adjust your entire game plan mm -hmm. to suit his lack of distribution skills. Yep. Um, so, or you need the fly half to basically do everything like Nick White did in that game. So, sorry, the scrum half to do everything like Nick White did in that game. So yeah, I think for me, the biggest one, the most exciting one is probably Carter Gordon. And I'm just talking about the backs and I'll let you chat about some of the forwards, I reckon. Because I yeah, think okay. I'm guessing where you're going to go. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Ed Craig make his full-time yeah, Super are. Rugby. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Up, uh, up friend of the pod. Yeah, looking forward to hopefully getting some game time for Ed this season. Um, hopefully he can really uh, sort of knock down that hooker's position or if not the the starting hooker, at least the replacement hooker position for the Rebels this season. They do have Jordan Ulysses. But again, he's another player that is in very much like... Um, Oh, Jordan Pattaya. Jordan Pattaya, thank you. I've had, I always do that. I don't know what the go is. It just leaves my mind. Um, he's been he's had a lot of injuries over the last few years, so mm. um, that could be a good thing for Ed. I mean, I really do hope Jordan does have a good season. He's gonna need it. We, we are in the Wallabies looking for that um, out and out hooking position. We've still got a lot of players that are sort of contending for that spot, and I would really love to see Ed have a great season and sort of make his way into. Well, not necessarily into the squad this year, but maybe contention next year. Um, yep. I'm also really looking forward to seeing how the Argentinian duo do um, coming across from Argentina and the Jags. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the, the Rebels go this year. Now, one thing that I have noticed that's quite interesting, looking at the team in a wider dynamic, not just the ins and outs, but they've only got one out-and-out out number eight, and that's Izzy Nisarani. Mm. Yep. Now we do have players like Jarrell Skelton, Brad Wilkin that can, f or uh, Richard Hardwick's probably more of an out and out loose loose forward. Um, but we've got some big. If if they do lose Izzy for a number of games due to injury, they they're going to have to sort of make make amends and shift someone else from that backline. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really big year for him. Um, why don't we move into the players to watch? Do you yep. want to start off with the players that you're particularly keen to see have a big season? Yeah, so my player to start with is Izzy Nisarani. So that's a good Ooh. little lead in. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Izzy Nisarani just didn't seem to be able to make the Wallaby squad this year. He was recalled leading into sort of the second half of the Tri-Nations campaign at the end of 2020. But again, we didn't really see much game time from him. He had a few work-ons after he was left out of the initial squad and we're not really sure exactly what they are. Um, but yeah, with a few players going overseas this year, that number eight position again is up for contention. So Izzy Nicerani needs to have a big year. He needs to really step up and, and push his game for that little bit, be that more of an enforcer, maybe on the ball a little bit more than he was last year. And hopefully he has a good season without too many injuries that are going to sideline him. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him work on those things that the Wallabies coaches have asked him to do and really just take his game to the next level. Yep. 
Uh, one of the players that I'm really keen to see this season, hopefully get more game time, is Lockie Anderson. Now, he obviously has come across, well, not obviously if you don't know, he's come across from Australian Sevens and is a lightning quick player, utility back, is going to be one to watch coming forward. I'm really excited because with Andrew Kellaway particularly going um, and Samisi Tupo as well, that means that it's really only Corabetti who's got a locked down wing position. So it's uh, Lockie Anderson, Tom Pincus and Young Turner Mapia who's going to to be fighting for that other wing spot. So I think he's got a really good chance to see a fair bit of game time this season. And I would just love to see another lightning quick winger within Australian rugby, kind of in your Tom Wright vein, somebody that uses speed and agility rather than a player like Marika Corabetti, who does have incredible pace, but is more of a direct runner with his power and physicality rather than someone of Lockie Anderson's uh, style. So that's one player I'm particularly keen for. I'm really, I, I'm glad that you brought up Corabetti because I got him listed on the, as well. I really think that he needs to find his form or regain his form this year. Um, mm. We saw that he was sort of in and out and hot and cold last year. Now that's probably understandable in the season that was it was for the Rebels being away from his young family for such a long time, being in two different bubbles with two different teams in isolation. He's a very family focused person. I can understand that being away for so long Basically, what was it, like eight months or something all up? Yeah, something like that. They were away from the family. I think that really was one of the determining factors that affected his game. Um, I just think he really needs to regain that form and have a really big year, particularly with Vunuvalu coming into the Reds this year. And Philippu Dungunu, he's going to have some contention for that starting Wallaby uh, spot on the wing. So, yeah, he needs to regain that form and get that consistency back um, he's yep. also going to be one of the more experienced players in this back line this year. So he's going to really need to step up and hopefully help some of his other players yep. like Dane Hale at Petty um, and, and Matt Tamua to really kind of get that communication going across the back line. Yep. Yep. I agree with that. Um, why don't we just do maybe one more each? I'll do one, then you do one for players who are uh, really mm-hmm. keen to watch. Yep. Um, I particularly am a huge fan of Richard Hardwick. I think he is just an absolute wrecking ball that goes 110% every single match. Uh, I love the fact that he has the biggest baby face in the entire competition <laughs> and yet is one of the angriest players on the field. I yep. just love that um, that juxtaposition. So he is a really skillful player and kind of underrated within that number seven role within Australian rugby. Yep. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see him step up. I'm excited to see if he can step up this year and just add that extra layer of I think not mongrel. just being an out and out fetcher yeah, yeah he's he's got the mongrel but I feel like sometimes he just doesn't have the right decision making when yeah. he's going in for the ball and somebody like you know David Pocock was just a master of and he, he and George Smith were just masters of choosing the moment to go in and compete and I feel like Richard Hardwick sometimes just goes in on too many rucks rather than just watching and choosing his moment to strike. Yep. So I hope that he has an extra year of experience and a bit of an added level of maturity to his game because he's a quality player who I'm really looking forward to this year. Yeah, and I think that fits in with the theme of 2021 that with Michael Hooper overseas, there really is that sp- that number seven spot open. And we're going to see a lot of players potentially putting their hands up and, and showing that they can bring something else to the role. So yeah, again, we've got another team with another promising seven, who's going to really push Hooper for that starting spot come 
20 come sort of November or July when we've got those, those tests back on um, the last player that I'm really keen to watch is Jarrell Skelton. Now we haven't seen him play the 15 man code yet in a professional or um, at the super rugby level, but he's been one of the sevens players that's come across. And if you just Google him and see some of his highlights, he has an incredible step. He's a very big guy. I think he's related to Will Skelton. Yeah. Cousin. The, um, yeah. I was going to say cousin. Um, so don't know. I wasn't sure if it was first or second or whatever, but he's tall like Will Skelton, but he's fast and he's got this deadly step. So he's listed here as a, as an outside back. Um, but he could be lining up on the wing or in the centers as well. He's like that. He's got that skill set and he's that fast and mobile around the field. I'm, I really yep. think that he's going to be really an impressive player to watch. And I do hope he gets some game time. Is he an outside back? I thought he was a loose forward, like a flanker. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Sorry, he's a loose forward, but he could be playing oh, in the okay. outside backs. Oh, right. Okay, so he's got the skill set that could. Yeah, if you look there. up, if you watch up his okay. highlights, because he's sure. yep. he plays wider in sevens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, cool. Sorry, I misunderstood. I get it. Cool. All right, All right. Well, let's move um, now into our predictions for the Rebels for twenty twenty one. I'll let you go first, Ando. Perfect. I think that the Rebels are either going to finish third or fifth. So hear me out with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the Rebels have struggled a bit this year. Well, over the last couple of years to make, to, to get the best out of the quality players that they have within their squad, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we all know that they basically have a Wallaby studded backline. They've had a really f- good combination of, well, a, a few really good players within their forward pack as well. Um, I think that if players like, uh, who, who particularly? Jordan Ulesti, if Trevor Hosea, if people like Gerald Skelton can really step up within a forward pack and really show some growth and dominance this year, they have the firepower in their back line to devastate basically every team within the Australian competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying they're going to win every match, but I think they could easily get into the finals again. The problem is I'm not as confident that that's going to happen, particularly with their forward pack. So if that is the case and their forwards don't fire, I actually think that they could be kind of battling it for the Waratahs for the wooden spoon <laughs> and they will end up fifth. Um, so I, I hope for good things for them because they do have some really good quality players and I'd like to see them build upon their performances last year. Uh, I'm, just not con- I'm just not sold that it's going to happen. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I'm unfortunately sitting on the fence. If everything goes well, they should scrape through into that third spot again. Um, but uh, they've just lost a few really good players in their forward pack. And if that doesn't come back, if that doesn't come together, I can see them finishing fifth. Yeah, cool. I've got them finishing fourth. So okay. fairly similar to what you were saying. Consistency was an issue for them last year. I think being away from home for so long and being on the road definitely affected their performance. And some of their bigger players really weren't sort of standing up and playing as well as they should have. Um, Matt Tamua as well got a few injuries towards the end of this and to the later half of the season. Dane Halep-Petty was out as well. So if they can get that consistency, if they can get their full team playing week in, week out, I think that they can, they do have the potential, like you said, to come third, but I'm more wary that the force are going to be a bit of a dark horse this year. And I think with the team that they're putting together, also, in um, with being able to play their home games over in Perth in front of the, the Sea of Blue, 
I think that the force are going to be that that team that's going to really push some of these teams and go for third. So I I just think that's going to be the edge over the the Rebels this year, and they'll end up coming fourth, and the the um, the Western Force will come third. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I hear that. And look, it's it's a completely reasonable line of thought within there. I think this season is going to be really hard to predict third to fifth. Yeah. Um. I think one and two is fairly set within most pundits' expectations. Oh, the Waratahs are going to be, be like so far. Yeah, ahead. Waratahs stop there at number one without a shadow of a doubt, and it's everybody else fighting for their scraps. Yeah. Um. So yeah, obviously it's going to be Brumbies. Well, not obviously. It's likely going to be Brumbies or Reds for whatever combination of one and two, and then everybody else fighting it out for three to five and you can't really pick who it's going to be no. um we can we can talk as much as we want uh but i just love that we're doing this three weeks out from the competition even starting we it's haven't great. even seen any trial games or anything any kind of no, not at all <laughs> how good how good anything else you want to say my friend i don't think so i i just i really hope that the rebels have a good year they've got the talent on paper to do some really good things and it's they've been building for a number of years now and i did say this at the end of last year this for me is the year that Dave Vessels needs to step up and actually perform really well and will get his side to perform mm. really well. Um, he's been there for a number of years now. He's had a fairly standard backline across those years, few players here and there coming in and out. Um, but yeah, they, this is the year that he defined that consistency and really gel as a team and, and put those performances out on the field. Yep. Good call. Good call. Why don't we finish with that? That's a great summary. Mm-hmm. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for thanks to Cam for his time again. Um, and we'll see you all next week for another preview. Bye.